0: Think uh, I was the source of the buzz. <laughs> I turned on my lapel mic, and I sh- shouldn't have, ought to done that. So it's great to be with you this morning. I look forward to the chance to speak with all of you at the reception, and then with the vestry in a little bit after that. The goal, the climax, the fulfillment of God's reign is imagined in scripture through several metaphors. A peaceable kingdom, where predators and prey lie down together. A lush and productive garden. A beautiful royal city. And this morning in our gospel, a wedding banquet. In each of these images are themes of love and peace and equity of the old word shalom, a great and universal harmony. Jesus speaks of the end of things today in the parable from Matthew as a wedding banquet that is delayed. The bridegroom is expected, but has not yet arrived. And the bridesmaids are invited to live in a state of expectant readiness, prepared both for the groom's return and the possibility of his further delay. When the groom arrives, suddenly half the bridesmaids are unprepared and are shut out of the wedding banquet. Now for the modern reader, I think that's us, there are several problems with this reading. For one thing, the kind of wedding banquet that is described has cultural Elements that may seem sexist to us. All these women waiting on a guy. You know. For another thing, contemporary Christians are not expecting, as Matthew's community was, the imminent return of the groom. If the groom is Christ, then he ascended more than two millennia ago, and we are accommodated to his absence active expectation of Christ's return seems anachronistic at best. And finally, the parable seems unduly harsh in shutting out the unprepared bridesmaids, out of shutting them out of the feast, out of heaven. Goodness, they were still waiting, after all, even if they had dropped their guard just a bit. It's important, I think, that we remember that Matthew was writing for his community, and that community was largely Jewish Christian that was trying to come to terms with Jesus as the Messiah and to relate that to Jewish expectations of the Messiah's imminent return. If Jesus is the Messiah, then where is he? That was the question. Why has he not returned with his army to throw off the Romans. That was the expectation. More importantly, if Matthew's community is the new community in Christ, what are the expectations of the community as it waits for Christ's return? What are they to do? What is their duty? Now, Matthew is is given to hyperbole, as every good storyteller is. And his, his parables, if you recall, there are always extremes. You Remember, for example, the story of the unjust steward where the master forgives the steward a debt of a billion dollars. <laughs> Just like that. Oh, yeah, sure, it's okay. Don't worry about it. It's covered. But when that steward fails to forgive another servant a debt of a couple hundred bucks, the master throws him in prison forever. The same guy infinitely merciful, infinitely just. Matthew is saying our God is a God, both of total mercy and total justice, and we have to live with both. And there's a similar sort of hyperbole in today's parable. We must all be ready for the wedding banquet whenever it takes place. Those who are faithful followers of Christ are expected to be constantly ready, living now in terms of the end. Our life in this world is to be shaped not by the world as it is, but by the world as it will be. A wedding feast celebrating the marriage of heaven and earth. Perhaps we can forgive Matthew for using the groom as an icon of heaven and the bridesmaids as icons of earth. In other words, although the marriage of heaven and earth is delayed, we are to live now as though it were accomplished. Living in this world as if it were already the peaceable kingdom. Keeping our lamps full of oil is a sign that we are prepared at any moment for heaven to begin. And failure to be prepared is a sign that we are not truly ready or perhaps we really don't expect God's purposes to be accomplished. Matthew always is telling us parables. and We need to be very careful about parables. Parables are puzzles. They're like Buddhist cones. They can't be tied down parable is an invitation to dig deeper, to consider what God is up to. This one asks questions like, what is the end goal of the life of faith? What are the signs of faithfulness? Are we living our lives now in terms of God's purpose for life? Are we ready now for life in the kingdom of heaven? If Jesus were to return today, would we be prepared to embrace the life that he has taught us? Now, if you find the questions challenging, that's the point. (laughs) You get a sense of the struggles of Matthew's community and the struggles of the Christian church through the centuries. These are hard questions. These are hard questions. And the world is so much with us. And we are so shaped by the realities of our personal and corporate lives. Are we really on a journey to a new heaven and a new earth? Are we really on that journey? Or is the church simply something to make us feel a little better in the midst of our troubles? What does it mean, Joshua asked, to serve the Lord. You may have noted that earlier this week our presiding bishop released a powerful statement calling for the end of fighting in Gaza. And even for Michael, even for Michael, this was a very strong statement. He condemned the terrorism of Hamas, And he also condemned the bombing and blockade by Israel. And he said that killing is not the answer to the problems that confront us. Only love is. But not some sweet, sappy love. Love that is willing to take the risk of engaging our enemies and working to find a place of hope and reconciliation. A powerful statement. A controversial statement also, I think, a statement about living now in terms of the end. If the end of all things is a peaceable kingdom, if the end of all things is a feast where everyone has a seat, then how do we live now in terms of that final goal? How do we express our readiness? What do we ask of one another in the midst of our struggles and conflicts here on earth? How do we live out the expectation of reconciliation with God and one another? What else would we ask of Hamas and Israel than to stand down? What else could we ask? And if we're not ready to ask that, if we're not ready for the feast, does that not then convey our willingness to continue things as they are? to let the concerns of the present shape the future. In just a couple of minutes, we will have the joy of some receptions. And as part of that, we will renew our baptismal covenant. And we will promise, with God's help, to be faithful. I invite you to think about what we are promising to worship God, to return to God whenever we fall away, to be messengers of God's love, to love others as we love ourselves, and to seek justice and peace for every human being. Those are the promises. That's what it means to be baptized. All these promises are signs that we are ready to enter the wedding feast. That we are ready for God's purposes to be fulfilled. That we got oil in our lamps. Now the good news is that God knows who we are. (laughs) And knows we struggle with this. God loves us as we are. But it's also true that God loves all that God has made, all creation and all people as they are, and invites all of us and the whole of creation to be reconciled. We will no doubt differ on the means to that end, but our call is to hold the end always before us. To hold the end always before us, and in every moment to shape our living now for the feast that is coming. May it be so. Amen.